Wow. That's one of those things that I would love to put in the preview. I mean, in the uh, <laughs> teaser or whatever, but I'm not going to because that's just me. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday. Sorry, no, it's not. It's Tuesday, June the 13th. Uh, schedules and such this week, uh, you get the, you get the podcast a day early. Um, obviously, uh, a lot going on, at least in the sense of baseball having uh, made its return or in the process of making its return as we speak or as we record, uh, to Omaha. Um, and An outstanding couple of days, at least, in, in the um, Super Regional against Duke. We will wrap that up. We will look ahead to uh, this weekend and everything um, that it um, that it might bring for the for the Wahoos. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, in uh, Fishersville, board moderator du jour himself, David Spencer's on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going pretty good, Brad. Excited to talk about baseball. You know, that is my main source of income. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> and then uh, Charlottesville, editor-in-chief himself, Justin Ferber, is also on this here show. How's it going, my dude? Pretty good. Didn't get in any uh, kerfuffles with any players from any teams over the weekend. Um, apparently, I you know, not everybody was so lucky. So That's, that's what I heard. Um, but I do. Res- I always respect good chirps, so um, I'm here for it. At Justin underscore for on Twitter. Good chirps. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. All right. So Virginia is heading back to Omaha, as uh, previously mentioned a moment ago. Cavaliers. Um, I guess this is the sixth time they've they've traveled those 1,186 miles. Um, two to one super regional win over Duke. Didn't didn't start out all that great, um, given the result at least, and and it and it did feel a little bit because of how kind of close that thing got in the um, in the final analysis. Felt a little bit like, oh man, maybe this isn't going to work out. And then UVA absolutely just crushed them for two games, and just you know, I think I used this in the headline, but left really no doubt. Um, Ferber had a nice kind of regional wrap up. So Dave, I'm going to go to you as you look back on that super regional. Is it the just the emphatic response that stands out to you most, or, or what's the thing that you feel like you you take away most from last weekend and the wins over Duke? I mean, the team can hit. <laughs> I don't want to oversimplify it, but when you've got a lineup like Virginia does, you know, one to nine, they put pressure on the other pitcher every batter. Like there's no break. And then, um, you know, despite having guys batting almost 400 or having 20 home runs. O'Connor, especially in like po- in postseason play is a lot more aggressive. Like he'll, he'll have guys bunt and I know it doesn't make a lot of sense to some people, but you know, some, some of the three thirty batting average bunting or whatever it might be. But I think when you're a team that's got experience, you know, a program that's got experience in those moments, even if these players don't have it, it's kind of like this built in thing. Like we're going to put pressure on you. Um, 
they did that a little bit in game one and, you know, didn't work out great, but it kept pressure on Duke and, you know, Virginia almost came back and won that. And then just the way the, the team responded and, you know, the pitching staff isn't elite like it was in 2015. Um, but it's very, very good. And when you couple it with an offense that puts pressure on the other team, they become a, you know, it becomes a very good squad. Um, it's weird. I mean, obviously being at home helped the team a lot, but just the confidence in every batter, um, having to deal with that lineup for 27 outs is a lot for any squad. And, you know, Duke, I felt Duke got to a point, you know, when Virginia put pressure on them, they can't try to come back a little bit in both games, two and three. And, you know, Virginia responded quickly and that kind of crushed it. So just a great, you know, great team weekend and a great atmosphere. Yeah. I feel like Ferber in the, you know, if you think about the, the 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 conventional wisdom would be that you want to get off to a good start in a super regional, right? And yeah, they lost game one on on Friday. Um, but a, as you mentioned, in, and I think you you put it well in terms of framing sort of the domination that Virginia put on them. It, it feels like even though the result didn't go their way on Friday, um, part of the response is that they just simply were undeterred. They were the same team. Um, you know, from a mental standpoint and certainly from an aggression standpoint. Um, but the fact that they have, that Virginia as a program has such a nice record in terms of, you know, when they, when they lose that first game, they're pretty much uh, undefeated, right? Like that's typically the way these things have gone. Um, what would you attribute sort of the, the mental, I don't know, toughness or what have you coming out of this? Is that, is that indicative from just Oak and, and staff? Do you feel like it's a, um, you know, it's a it's a collective sort of thing that the guys have developed this season. What would you sort of point to in terms of Virginia's ability to to really respond when it's back is against the wall like that? Yeah, I mean, I think every team's different in terms of like why those teams have been able to sort of get over the hump after losing that first game. I think in a lot of other seasons, it's the depth of the pitching staff that a lot of other schools might have one guy or two guys, but UVA is, a lot of times has had you know, a deeper roster of pitchers and those guys have come through Um, this year. It's the hitting, right? It's just what they're able to do at the plate. Um, They put so much pressure on another team. Like um, I know it's kind of cliche, but there really aren't holes in the lineup. Um, You know, you had two guys platooning in the nine spot in left field and both of those guys had big hits. So um, I mean, like, I think, it's just tough, especially like, you know, when you get down to like the five, six, seven, eight in a lineup and you're still having to like scrap and claw to get outs as a pitcher. Um, it just, it's tough. And, you know, I think that they, you know, I think Dave kind of hit on it. Like even in the loss, I would say like they responded, you know, Duke had one really kind of damaging inning and then they gave up, obviously Parker gave up a home run earlier in the game. That was what two runs. Um, but then they had like the inning, you know, where they kind of got to Wolfolk and then Barry gave up the runs. Um, but they responded. I mean, they didn't go quietly, right? I mean, they Jake Galloff had like one of the loudest outs, you know, you'll ever see, probably. Um, which would have, you know, completely changed the series if he, you know, got that another two feet over the fence. Um, but you know, I think like on Saturday, O'Farrell hitting the home run to lead off the game really set the tone. Yeah. Um, and you could feel it. Like, it's like, all right, well, they're not going to go down easily. You know, if they lose, Duke's going to have to go out and earn it. And I thought the biggest 
play in that game was Ethan Anderson's home run after Duke got the three run inning to basically take it back from them. Right. Um, it was like, all right, you guys like, you know, you can keep fighting, but like, we're not going away. Yeah. Um, and then they just slammed the door after that. And then on, on Sunday, I think was probably the most dominant game. I felt like they, they took it to Duke pretty good. Um, it wasn't so much like, Oh wow. They had, you know, they had the five run second inning, I think. And that was, that ended up being enough. Right. But, um, ultimately like they just kept getting guys on base. And when they got guys on base, they did enough damage. I mean, they left guys on base from time to time, but like more often than not, or more often than necessary, they did what they had to do to drive in runs. And you can't say the same for Duke, like UVA's pitching, you know, those guys would get on base and UVA didn't pay for it because they were able to get out of the jams. Um, if you look at Duke's hit totals for their two losses, I mean, I think they had like 10 or plus hits in both games. Um, but they just weren't moving the line and they weren't getting walked and they right. struck out way more than UVA did. So, I mean, I think UVA just was able to get guys on base move them over. And that's like, you talked about bunting, like that's what college baseball is. And I'm not saying just bunt always, like you're not going to see Jake Galloff laying down bunts right. too much, <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, moving guys over, having guys in in scoring position with less than two outs is huge. And I think that they just capitalized on a lot of those situations. Yeah. We'll get back to holes in the lineup in a minute when we, or a few minutes or whatever, when we talk about uh, Florida. But one thing I thought was really telling from um, from your rap was the, you know, 55-16 in their six games over the past two weekends. Yeah, I like mean, that, I didn't even realize it until I was like, wait a second, like, this is really lopsided. That's just an absurd number, if you think about yeah. it. And it's not... It's crazy you know, considering they had to play two elimination games, too. Right, yeah. And I mean, what's weird is that if you think about sort of, like... I, I don't want to I don't I don't like to always draw, you know, direct parallels to other things. But one of the things that, you know, we've talked a lot about over the years with Virginia basketball and at times with Virginia football, too, is right. Is the idea that sometimes you sort of like watch dudes kind of waiting for somebody else to make a play. And the idea that in this game, it wasn't just, you know, Teal or, or Geloff or even Anderson. Right. It was other guys stepping up at the plate, really putting a, you know, a hurting on the ball. Um, you know, I mean, look, we all need to hear Anthony's song, right? I mean, it's just one of those things where it, I feel like Virginia is a team that the potency of the lineup is, is in and of itself dangerous. But I, I also think that everybody can contribute. And that's not necessarily the same thing as talent, right? Like you can have a really talented team, really talented ball club, really talented group, core, whatever, right? But unless those guys are able to make big plays and big spots. And that's the thing I think that really stands out to me about these first two weekends of this, this tournament for UVA is that like the Cavaliers are out here. Dudes are just making plays all over. He doesn't like, you think that, you know, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. You're not going to take anything away from them. Now that's not to say that things can't dry up once they get to Omaha. Certainly they could. We, you know, that's a, many a team has gone to Omaha with stars in their eyes only to, you know, come home empty handed. Like that's just the way these things work. But this team at this point, Dave, it feels like Virginia's in a place in a groove. And that was certainly the case over Saturday and Sunday in the sense that like, you know, what they got on the mound was, was sufficient. And what they got at the plate was just absolutely everything you could hope for. And then some, and it really kind of gives you a lot of confidence going into uh, next weekend, we'll talk a little bit more about sort of matchups in general, but in terms of sort of where UVA is coming out of the Super Regional heading to Omaha, is this about as good as you could have expected uh, for the boys coming out? Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it is. It's uh, I think they're fifty and thirteen, right? Um, some crazy record. Which, yeah. you know, if you if you've been following the season, especially when they had that mini, mini slump, it felt like oh, they're barely five hundred. What's going on? No, they no, they were well above five hundred. The team was very good. Uh, look, I think there's a lot of really good baseball teams this year. Um, I'm Omaha's I really like the. Uh, what would you say? This Omaha is pretty loaded. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's crazy. Um. So, I mean, I do feel pretty good about where Virginia is compared to, you know, what their potential as a team is. You know, when you've got the – you got starting pitching like they saw this weekend, especially the last two games, um, even the first game. Like, that helps this team a lot because that's been kind of where they were up and down most of the year. Um, you know, Omaha, the ball doesn't carry as well out there. Um, kind of hard to lean on the long ball. You look back to that 2015 season when Virginia played Florida, I think all those games were low scoring except for one. Um, you know, just you know, a, a different a different ballpark. So, I, I like the I like the versatility that Virginia has as an offense. Um, you know, they can still bases, they got speed, they got power. Um, and it and the and the pitchers seem to be coming around. You, you know, between Conley Early and and Edge, there. Yeah, I think you've got a couple guys with a lot of confidence going to Omaha. Um, you know, and with time to rest it and get ready. And I don't think Omaha is going to be too big for this program. You know, they've been there several times. The coaching staff certainly has. And yeah, I mean, short of, you know, short of a, I can't think of anything this team could do to, to be in a better position. You, you just get there, right? I think what was a saying from 2015, like a chip in a chair when they barely got in the tournament. Well, you know, now they're in Omaha. They've, they've done well there. So I'm anxious to see it against a very loaded, um, loaded bracket out there. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that anytime you're, <laughs> listen, it, I, I've tried to explain to a friend of mine this weekend when when UVA was up big, like you can't you can't say things like, oh well, it's over then, because UVA fans like we're just not we're not wired to not at least be a little nervous. Um, I, I think it's really. It's it's an it's an incredible feeling when your team is playing so well going into such a loaded uh, event. Such a um, obviously it, it this the, the college world series going to Omaha. It requires a lot from you in ways that other championships don't. Right, and certainly as you know, Virginia folks, we 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 understand you know how the NCAA tournament gives and and takes. Right, and you know you're not you're not assured of anything. Um, regardless of how well you played, da 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 da, right? It it uh, it is also a little unsettling, though, right? <laughs> to see your team playing so well um, before it goes out to something like this, because frankly, like there's a part of your brain that just goes, "Oh wow, what's 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 going to fall off? Like what what what's uh, what part of the operation is is going to hit the skids?" And that's just sort of you know, um, I, I mean, I know I'm just saying all the things we were, we were already kind of thinking, and yet at the same time, there's a part of me that just looks at this team and goes, "Huh." I mean, like, because they do give you a lot of confidence, you know, today's point, like you think about pitching and sort of the way that they've been able to uh, maneuver through this, this tournament so far. Um, there's a lot of reason for optimism as they go to Omaha. Let's talk about sort of the, the matchup. Ferber is going to have a, a more in-depth sort of breakdown on things later. Um, but in terms of, I mean, let's just start with Florida. Um, I, I did not realize the, the degree to which the Gators smashed the baseball. And we talked last week about Duke and about sort of like the way that the Blue Devils kind of want to 
um, essentially make you make mistakes and then make you pay for those mistakes with the long ball. Florida's like that, but better. Is that a fair description for her? Like, it seems like to me, this team is absolutely stacked and, you know, you might look at UVA's lineup and I certainly do and, and think like, man, there's not a lot of holes there. Uh, Florida certainly gives that impression too. It makes for a really intriguing matchup. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Dave mentioned UVA 51 team, Florida's a 51 team. Um, you know, they're very, very good. Um, they've got some good pitching at the top of the rotation. Um, and they just, yeah, they have great hitting. Um, they probably have the best power guy in the nation and he can also pitch, um, Jack Caglianoni. I hope I didn't butcher that, but I think I got it. Um, you know, they have another really good outfielder that's going to go really high in the draft. Um, and you know, yeah, they're just loaded and, you know, you you almost, uh, it's not a direct parallel, but there is kind of a parallel between like sec football and sec baseball. And that's just the amount of talent you're able to acquire at a place like Florida, um, obviously when UVA played them in Omaha a few years ago, they were loaded then too, and kind of a similar team. I mean, they're just, they have power, they have speed, they have pitching. Um, they're well coached. I, I think they're going to be a tough out. Um, if UVA is going to beat a team like Florida, they're probably just going to have to do it to some degree at the plate. Um, you know, not to say they have to win like 11 to nine, but you know, you're probably going to need almost like the Duke in ECU games. I mean, UVA did beat ECU two to one, but um, it, those teams could both put a lot of pressure on you with their offense and do and Florida has a better offense than both of those teams. But I think Duke has pretty good, you know, they can hit. Um, and I, you know, you're always like, well, you know, a five to one lead isn't really that safe. And I think it's kind of good that UVA's had that experience over the last couple of weekends. Um, because I think all the teams are going to play are kind of like that um, in Omaha, especially Florida. So like, you know, you get up for nothing in the second inning, you're feeling pretty good, but that lead's not super safe. Um, especially, you know, not that UVA's bullpen was horrible or anything, but they didn't really get a lot of work over the weekend. And, um, you know, they're going to be tested in Omaha for sure, way more than they were over the last couple weekends. So um, I think it's going to come down to timely hitting and maybe get Florida to, you know, have some loud outs and just kind of, I think Dave, you were the one who said it last weekend with Duke. It's almost like, um, you know, if you give up a home run, make it a one run home run. Don't like just leak base runners. And then, cause they'll make you pay for it. And even in the Duke series, I mean, you kind of saw that in that one beginning they had on Saturday, um, you know, two out knocks kind of coming back to haunt you with like one big swing. So um, Florida certainly can do that. Um, but Dave, you're right. I mean, like the ballpark plays pretty big out there. I don't know if that's like a win thing or just dimensions or what, but it's always been like that since they moved to the new park. Um, but Davenport's not super big or super small either. So um, UVA is kind of used to that and, and also playing in colder weather more so than Florida. So um, it should be interesting to see, you know, but these are the games that are kind of, you know, baseball is cruel. It's everything's played on the margins, right? Like Galoff misses a game winning home run by two feet um, and they lose, you know, like ECU, loses to UVA, you know, on Saturday night in the, in the regional when the ball, the wind's blowing directly in and they're hitting the ball hard, but it's just not going out. And um, so, yeah, I mean, like it can be a cruel game, but it's going to come down to, it's probably going to be pretty thin margins for UVA in all their games in pool play. Yeah. In terms of the rest of this field, I mean, I, well, actually, Dave, I want to give you a chance to sort of comment on Florida. I, I, and even if you just, you know, piggyback on literally everything for what you yeah. said, um, it's a very dangerous club, uh, especially, um, given you know the the way 
the way that they're built and, you know, the success they've had this season. Give me your, your general thoughts or your specific thoughts on the Gators. Yeah. I mean, Ferber hit most of it. I mean, to me, you know, if you have, if you're someone who hasn't watched them play, imagine Duke, but better. I mean, they're very similar. Um, they both depend on the long ball a lot. I think Florida bats just under 300, but has almost twice as many home runs this year as UVA. 293. This, yeah. yeah. I Same think Duke was like 311 or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, if you watch Florida's lineup one through six, always double digit home runs. And I think one of the guys in seven, eight or nine does too, does too, but I can't remember which. So, and they've, but they're Hegley not. Hagley only has 31 homers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Geloff is what, 24 now yeah. on this year, maybe 25. Um, and, you know, they play a brutal schedule in the SEC. I mean, SEC's loaded. I think they've won, what, seven of the last 10. Uh, yeah. They went 20 and 10 in the SEC, but the, strength of record is why they're the two number two overall seed in UVA is like the seven, even though they pretty much have the same record. Yeah. And you know, it's every time Virginia goes to Omaha, they play a SEC team. It feels like, I think, well, they played Mississippi state and Tennessee in 2021 mm-hmm. lost. I think they ultimately lost to Texas to lose. Yeah, lose out. That's correct. And then 2015, they played Florida three Florida. times and Vanderbilt yeah. twice. Uh, say Vanderbilt 14, I think is the same. Oh yeah. yeah. Three times. 2014 was the same almost. So Jenny's used to playing those SEC teams, and Florida is just a prototypical one. Um, power everywhere. You, you just got to be smart with the ball. And I think Ferber said it like this is exactly the same as Duke. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna hit some shots. Just make sure you don't give them free bases in front of it. Yeah, it Simple. feels like that might be a theme for the whole the whole thing because if Virginia, I mean. You know, if the Cavaliers are able to win, they'll play, obviously, the winner of Or Robertson, uh, TCU. Um, If they lose, they'll play the loser there. And it it, it certainly would be nice to get off to a good start in that for this weekend as opposed to the way things started last weekend. I I know we're going to do a little bit more in-depth thing on the rest of the the pod, so to speak. But um, Or Roberts, kind of the surprise of the of the whole thing, Ferber. Talk to me a little bit more about uh, Oral Roberts and TCU and and what mm-hmm. what Virginia what we can kind of expect from that side of things, regardless of how Friday night goes. Yeah, I mean, I think like I'll start with Oral Roberts. I mean, we were talking about UVA is a fifty win team, Florida is a fifty win team, Oral Roberts is a fifty win team, um, and they have some pretty good non conference wins. And I think they went like something unseen, like twenty seven and one in their conference or something. Um, they're they're really hot right now. You know, they won their league. Uh, they go to Oklahoma State, who I think was the number 11 overall seed, and they beat them. You know, they I think they might have swept through that regional, or they might have lost one and then came back and won the next. I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they performed really well um, and just kept going through the winner's bracket. Uh, and, and I think, you know, they played Oklahoma State in the non-conference. I think they might have played TCU already. I can't remember. They played some big, you know, they on those weekend or the weekday series, you know, they played like Baylor and teams like that because that's where they are. They're in Oklahoma. So, um, you know, they went out and played Oregon. That was a tough series. That was like really back and forth. And they just kept getting the timely hits that they needed. And, you know, they they clearly, you know, have, I mean, they're always in the tournament, it feels like, and, um, have a pretty good baseball culture, kind of like their basketball program, to be honest with you, just because they've kind of become known for being, a, you know, a, a tough out in the first round. And obviously they made the sweet 16 a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be a tough game for TCU and whoever draws Oral Roberts, like you're definitely not getting a gimme. Um, and then TCU is probably the hottest team in the country right now. 
Um, you know, I, I, their record was pretty mediocre at one point. I want to say they were like 23 and 21 or 24 and 22 or something like that. And, and now they're like 42 and 24. Um, so they're red hot. They won the big 12 tournament. Um, they cruised through the Arkansas regional Arkansas was the number three overall seed. Um, and then they, you know, took care of business in a weird situation, but they were the home team against the seeded Indiana state team they played. Um, but they kind of cruised through that super regional. So red hot coming to Omaha, I think all four teams in this side of the brackets. And I would say the same about the other side too, but all four teams on this side of the bracket are, are tough and capable and in a single game can win. Um, I would be pretty surprised if Oral Roberts comes out of the bracket, you know, makes it to the championship. Um, but I could see them like losing their first game and then knocking the Florida Virginia loser out or something like that, or maybe even beating TCU. Um, and then TCU is just red hot and, and Florida is obviously really good. And then obviously like you can't count Virginia out. I mean, they're playing really good baseball right now. Um, after that series against Duke, I think, what do they have like two losses or something like that? Um, so, I mean, they're rolling right now. Obviously, they just poured it on Duke over the last two games. So, you know, I think anything's possible on this side of the bracket, but I expect kind of tough games throughout. There's not like a team that doesn't belong. Even Oral Roberts has like a four seed. Um, they clearly have ability in their, you know, it's it's kind of hard to make Omaha as a fluke. You can win like two, you can win a regional almost as a fluke if you just things break right but it's hard to win a regional and a super regional um without being pretty good so i think all four teams are going to be competitive and, yeah, and i mean that's a, ultimately you know just try to follow fo- find the ball in the lights I mean, there's anything <laughs> there's anything texas stanford taught me oh my god yeah it's find the ball in the lights i feel i actually felt really terrible for them but anyway sorry dave yeah. go ahead I, I didn't mean to cut I you was off say, man you know the beauty of the NCAA, you know, baseball postseason is, you know, double elimination makes it really hard to be a fluke. Um, you, you're right. There's no, there's no one in this tournament. I think you'd be like, oh, that's the team I want to play. That, um, that said, if you look at the two, two pods, if you will, um, I like the one we're in a little better than the yeah. One, with than everything the I said, I think the other one's harder. <laughs> yeah, the other one's I would way agree worse. with that. Yeah, but that's, but that's based on reputation, not exactly where they're playing right now. Because I think Tennessee. If I could pick one team to play game one, it'd probably be Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I like the way Virginia matches up with them. And obviously um, Tennessee, like not to say they got an easy draw, but like things kind of went their way. So they played, they were in the Clemson regional and they they won their first game and then they went to the winner's game and they beat Clemson in like a crazy like 12 yeah. inning game that could have went either way. Then Clemson gets knocked out by Charlotte the next day. So Tennessee just has to beat Charlotte. And then they got Southern Miss in the Supers. Um, yeah, you know, no disrespect to Southern Miss, like they're not terrible or anything, but like it's not, they didn't have to go to, you know, whoever. Yeah, I went three games, Texas. you know, yeah. finished last night, um, where Tennessee was the home team. So that answered our question we had this weekend. I guess there is a coin flip for games. So two. I think, I, I think the way it works is if you're the higher seeded team, you're like by default home away home. So UVA was the like the higher seed against Duke, but Tennessee and Southern Miss were both like the same seed or whatever. I think if you're like unseeded, it's just considered like the same seed, and then it becomes like a coin flip. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's that's... who know. I mean, it's really a mystery. Like they really don't explain it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as much as we've been talking about the SEC, I mean the the the, the hottest team in the country right now is, yeah, you know, is Wake Forest. Um, 
So the I, I'm not, team. I'm not, I'm not mad. We don't have to play them. Um, and then LSU is freaking loaded. They're going to have the top two picks in the draft. <laughs> like, yeah, so much depth and just crazy depth because you know, the COVID stuff and the transfer portal. I mean, some of these teams are, are just stacked. So, I mean, Virginia, Virginia took advantage of that too. UVA with, took advantage you know, of their starting sure. staff. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's going to be an amazing world series. Um, I'm, I'm glad Virginia got the Friday night game. So I get a chance to watch it, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, every time Virginia goes out there, it's fun. I um, think the NCAA wins too because, like, this is what they want. They want like the big brands, you know, in this turn in this field, and even like Wake, it's like they can market that. You know, it's like look how good their pitching has been, and they won all these games, and like you know, um, they've been the best team all year. They're not just like there randomly. Um, they probably wish Texas would have won last night, um, <laughs> even though Stanford's the number eight overall seed, but still. Um, I, I think can't they, this is they have to be pretty happy straight. with the draw they got, you know. Six straight World Series for Stanford. That's, that's I didn't even impressive. realize that. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. I mean, I like Virginia's chances in the pod. Um, who do you guys like yeah. in the Jello Shot Challenge? Ooh. LSU. I feel like LSU's got to be a huge favorite. Yeah, I would say LSU. Yeah. Although, how much you are the Jello to, shots? Wait, now? do you want to explain to people what that is, Ferber? Yeah, so there's a bar. I think it's like right there at the stadium. Rocco's um, or Roscoe's or yeah, and it's like a dive bar, and they sell Jello shots, and they keep track of which fan base buys them. So they have a board, and they update it, and you can kind of see it has all eight teams on it. Um, last year, <laughs> I looked at it from last year. It's hilarious. It's like the second best team had like eight thousand, and Ole Miss had eighteen thousand. Um, so yeah i mean i think i think lsu just based on their fan base has to be like the prohibitive favorite but you also have to make a bit of a run like if you go oh and two you're kind of screwed yeah because people go home because Ole miss won it all last year so i mean like they kind of hung around long enough oral roberts obviously you know they're um probably not going to sell many based on the uh school profile um and then wake and stanford i'm sure don't send a ton of people um but yeah, a bunch we'll of schools see. a small, small, you know, student body, small alumni base. So yeah, that is true. Yeah, advantage LSU. But maybe Wake, you know, since a lot of people because they're just I haven't been in so long, you know. Um, that's fair. That yeah, they get like something going, and yeah, I think I think it'll be LSU, and then I guess your second favorite would probably be Florida or Tennessee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it should be a competitive. And they, you asked how much they cost. They're four fifty. Oh goodness. Yeah. Well, that's what I think I saw. You want to open a bar in Omaha? I was going to say congrats. Well, I was to thinking because I was like, Roscoe's. I guess you could get like ten of them for like forty-five bucks. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I feel like I, I, it's a complete aside, and maybe you know, I, we're we're working our way through the summer pretty good here. I think with the topics, but <laughs> we've you gotten know, lucky. I think Jello. I never really feel like Jello shots work. Like I don't really wow. feel like I'm getting anything off of it. I feel like it's like a novelty. That's um, SEC, SEC speed right there, buddy. Yeah, they don't yeah. work till they work. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's like <laughs> a, you have to play. maybe it's like a marathon, work. not a sprint situation where you just have to keep doing them. But um, yeah, well, maybe we'll try it out sometime, and and you know, we'll give it a <laughs> shot. Maybe maybe I'll do some before a podcast, and you know, see what happens. Every, everything about that is frightening. All right, let's. Um, we 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 were going to do a little shorter show uh, this week, so let's let's wrap up on this. So, conceivably. The um the pod Virginia's in that part of the bracket could wrap up with game eleven um, if I'm reading this right on on June the eleventh which would be a Wednesday next week um typically we record on Wednesdays um it would be conceivably in the afternoon um 
they if they the if necessary game would then be the next day. So the question is to both of you, um, and mm-hmm. I don't care who starts first. When we record next week, will UVA still be alive in this tournament? That's a trick question. It's a it's a very it's a very loaded one. Well, I can also say that if we record after Wednesday, I won't be a part of it because I'm going to be on a plane. So, well, that's un- that's unfortunate for you, but and yeah, unfortunate. So I for guess the I'm, I guess I guess I get a cop out answer there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I kind of think they're going to make it to that like regional like pod final. Um, I could kind of see it like ending up being UVA Florida rematch at some point. Um, but it's really really tight, you know, like. Yeah, anything's possible. And Dave, I'll you say, were I'll like, say yes. What the hell? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I will too. I mean, I think Virginia can get by Florida, which I think, I think they can do. Um, I think if UVA wins on Friday, they're in good shape. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I don't want to. Florida is very good. Virginia, they could yeah. score twenty on us if Pigeon's not good. Um, but if we, you know, we see, get the same kind of starting performances we gotten for the most part all postseason, um, and shut Florida down, I really like. You know when you when you stack our one two and three, uh, you know like Virginia chance Virginia's chances to uh, to win their first two and then knock out whoever comes out of the losers bracket in three. So that's a good, it's the it's, same as a regional format. So it's right. like going two and zero oh is the best thing that can happen. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Then you get basically you have to win one more game and you're through. Yeah. I guess then should I mean real quick I just thought of this but and maybe I should have thought of this sooner but it, what are your what are your thoughts or expectations for the rotation? Do they throw Parker Friday? Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, early and edge. I think so, been... but I could see early getting it. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. They're I mean, both they on, have... like, enough rest to pitch. I, for yeah, sure. for sure. I could see him going early, Parker, edge, um, one, two, three. But I didn't I, I didn't get a chance to listen to what Connor said, so maybe he answered that question today already. Yeah, and then um, maybe, like, like if you have to go to a fourth guy, it's like Jack O'Connor or something. Um, yeah. But you never – I mean, with that situation, that's usually an all-hands-on-deck – like once you so wait, remind point. me, Ferber. When are you? When do you? When do you leave? What's your situation next week? What Thursday? What is it? Thursday afternoon. So you leave Thursday afternoon. Yeah. All right. Well, we would we would obviously record before. We're not going to hold the podcast. Um, we would just record because it's a it's going to be an early afternoon game. Um, I believe so. Worst. Yeah, case that's is, right. Because they they redid the format for those of you that don't know. They used to do the championship like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or whatever, yeah. and they moved it up. So now yeah. it's like Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So they kind of compress the pots. Yeah. yeah. So basically, um, the the potential winning game would be that Wednesday at two. And if they have to play, they play it either the next day um, in the afternoon or the evening, depending on guess what's happening in the in the other side of the bracket. Um, but then um, they have a they would even regardless of even if they played that game, they would have a two day break between um, that Thursday and the. The twenty fourth, which is Saturday, so they play the the final Saturday, round. Sunday, Monday. Saturday, yeah. Sunday, Monday. Um, and no, and the and the afternoon game is on a Sunday as opposed to on a Friday, which should be abolished. Thank you for listening. All right, um, I will also say I think Virginia's still playing. I I I, re- I don't know. I just think they're in a really good groove. Um, whichever way they go with the pitching, I, I think I think they're going to be in a really good spot. Um, I don't know. It feels it feels uh, feels feels like things are coming together at the right time and certainly have continued to come yeah. together at the right time. Um, we can get some fans out there to chirp appropriately. <laughs> no problem. 
It's also worth noting, obviously, that they've already accomplished, like, not their ultimate goal, but like, you know, if you make it there, like, that's a, that's a big something right there, right? You know, like, yeah, that's right. Regard because like the games are so tight. I mean, like, it's pretty easy to go zero and two and be like, wow, like that was quick. <laughs> I think that's one of the things. I mean, we talk about this on the basketball side, right? Like you you're not really de- you're not really defined by how often you win the thing, you're defined on how many final fours you go to, right? And with college baseball, I think it's the same way. It's like you just get to Omaha and that in and of itself is a big deal. You know what I mean? I think yeah, I mean like Florida State's never won a national title in baseball, but like they're like synonymous with like elite programs because they've been to Omaha a bunch of times. Um and then you think about like all the times Texas has been there, you know. Yeah. Um and Virginia's getting there, you know, six in what, what is it like 14 years or something like that? It's pretty um, absurd. Yeah, since 2001. And they've, and they have gotten their title and they played it in another championship series. So, I mean, they've had their fair share of success for sure. Yep. Yeah. And let's not forget, you know, they're not, not long before the podcast started, you know, they were talking about making Virginia baseball a club sport. So, um, Pretty, pretty good, uh, up, you know, good return good on investment. Return on yeah. the O'Connor. Yep. True that. Well, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it for this week. Obviously, a whole lot to decide in the next few days, or I guess the rest of the weekend. And we will no doubt be back next week to discuss it with you and see where the, 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 the thing goes. I, I laughed just a minute ago. You guys were talking about like, you know, off season podcasts or whatever. Look, th- this thing wanna, wants to take us to July. I'm fine with it. You know, like, let's do it. Um, and then we can use only our best ideas for what we do to get us until we can actually talk about real football. But if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much. You give us a listen. If you don't mind, look at someone on Apple podcast, sit your Spotify overcast or wherever it is that could, you get your shows. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating review, we'd appreciate it. If you're somebody who's not giving us a good, the website yet, you can check us out at catscorner.com. Like I said, uh, for a nice little wrap up, uh, on the super regional, he'll obviously get us previewed. Uh, Houston caught up with the, uh, with RJ Jones. We've got some football recruiting stuff, so definitely give us a look at the website. I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and the show. You can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously their time, as always. I very much appreciate all they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.